Ait Squail, Enthapat Juliet King, Tanit Sun Utch Couchin, Nish Natain Jen King, Nish Namain John Carson, Haisepka Makthwait, Haisepka Snanemoch Mestimoch Ita Tamoch Nihai. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first podcast of Voices of Color. We are a student-led organization focused on amplifying the voices of color in our community. I would like to acknowledge that we are on the unceded territory of this Nanemoch First Nation, where we have the privilege to learn, laugh, and play. As you heard before, I introduced myself in Halkaminam. Um, this is a way of acknowledging the land and the elders. We are so excited to be bringing you this first podcast, as it is the platform we hope you come to for any and all of your local and global information for the under and misrepresented voices. Not only that, we hope to provide you with the resources and safe spaces for you to have access to. So make sure you give our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok a look. We will have all the links posted in the description below. So we want you to get it to know a bit about us. I'm Juliet King. I'm in my fourth year and final year, thank God, of school. I'm in digital media with my minor in Indigenous Studies. And this project, I'll be working alongside my classmates. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi there, I'm Megan. I'm also a fourth year digital media student in my final semester as well. I feel like that took forever, not gonna lie. I also have a minor in marketing, which I Hope I'm getting, you know what, fingers crossed. And I'm so excited to work on Voices of Color with these amazing people. Yeah, hi, I'm Lauren. I'm as well in my fourth and final year of digital media studies. I'm minoring in creative writing and can't wait to use all my journalistic writing stuff uh, along with this project. And I'm just excited to be working alongside these very fun and creative people. Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm also in my fourth year of uh, digital media. And I am also excited to work alongside everybody here. I want to expand my uh, skills working with web development, and that's my focus on Voices of Color. Awesome. So uh, like we said, this is Voices of Color. This project started as a student-based project, but we're hoping that it can develop into something a bit more. This is provided for people of color, our two-spirited, and LGBTQIA2S+ less community. Uh, we want everyone to feel included here. So come one, come all. It's a place to learn and feel safe. We see you, we hear you, and we want you to find your comfort in your community. We have so many to topics to cover for you guys, but we want to get started with sharing some of the stats that we have found when it comes to people of color in media. I want you to keep in mind that these first stats here are American. Uh, but we also have a story to share with you about a Canadian media after. I want to start with this study that was done in 2019 at Hofstra University in Long Island, New York, that found that 0.3, that's right, 0.3% of TV media was indigenous. However, for the missing and murdered indigenous people, a statewide report from Wyoming said that between 2011 and September 2020, 710 indigenous people were reporting missing in Wyoming. However, 
how is it that over 700 indigenous people have gone missing in this time frame and only 0.3% of these stories were covered in the news? You know what's crazy? Um, like a few weeks ago on TikTok, have you guys heard about like the Gabby Petito case? Yeah. And like she actually went missing in the same place as all these indigenous people did. And it's actually baffles me to the fact that everyone like tiktok collectively got together to like find out what happened to this girl mm -hmm. and like they were like pressurizing the fbi and like pressurizing the police department and like wherever she was from and like everyone just started getting together to find her body and like within weeks they found her body and now like everyone's on a manhunt to like find her boyfriend who they believe like killed her and stuff i'm like where were all these, like, resources, like, when the indigenous people went? Like, why are they not finding these bodies? Mm -hmm. Like, what's even going on? Like, I'm so confused. But, that's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the part that boggles my mind the most is that when you start to look into these 710 indigenous people, it is like pulling teeth trying to simply find their names. But if you were to look up Gabby Petito, you know everything about her, her family, mm -hmm. her case everything yeah so this is exactly why we want to start doing this work is because there should be way more than 0.3 percent of indigenous people in the media and it doesn't always have to be negative stories like mm -hmm. there's so much positivity in all of these communities that need light shed on them so that people can find who they align with so many times in political, educational and most importantly everyday conversations when missing or murdered indigenous black, Métis, Hispanic, or Asian people go missing. Part that kills me the most about this is that I've been looking into it for a while and I can't even find their names. We should touch on this topic a bit, actually, the topic of names, so that in political, educational, and everyday conversations, when people go missing, we know what we're talking about. But every missing or murdered person of color has a name, they have ancestors, a story, and it's important to remember these names because the significance of their story and their name is what holds the power to create change. So please, when you're speaking on these topics, remember people's names. It's important and it's the very least you can do. The Missing and Murdered Statewide Report from Wyoming also shared that these reports of missing Indigenous women have been met with challenges and identified limitations in data, including inconsistent data collection, misclassification, and underreporting. The inability to cross-reference databases has also limited access to valuable information. Many Indigenous victims have been incorrectly classified in law enforcement databases as white, Hispanic, or Asian. A notable percentage of missing and murdered victims have been simply listed. Guys, listen to this part. They have been listed as other or unknown. That is shocking. That's messed up. So messed up. Like what? Like imagine like passing away or being missing and only like your family to find out like you're considered other, other yeah. or unknown. unknown. Like what is unknown? Like but what? It sh shows how little our systems care about people of color if you can simply label a file as unknown. Like... Our, all of our systems are systematically racist. I'm not even going to get into that because another episode will because I'll just lose my shit. But 
This is why we have this podcast, so we can learn together and dive into the issues that we are facing. And one thing I want to note right now is that when we talk about these racist systems or these groups or colonizations, individuals or groups of people of color don't come at white people. We come at white supremacy. We don't come at Christians. We come at Christian nationalism. It's dismantling the systems that put us together and push us apart. It's the systems, it's not individuals we're coming for. One big issue that we're facing in Canadian media is underrepresentation of people of color. We know this is an issue for all people of color, but there's a specific story we're gonna share with you that deals with black people specifically in Canada. When trying to find numbers, sources, and facts behind creating voices of color, we stumbled across um, an article on the Simon Fraser University website, specifically their blog called Voices in the Square. And this article called Breaking News, Canadian Media Fails to Represent, a Multimedia Recap. You should go have a look at it. The link is below. Now, this recap was done July 15th, 2020 by a group of six women um, speaking on the lack of failure of colored people in Canada. Here are their names, guys, because again, names are important. Jesse Williams, Angela Sterrett, Bethlehem Miriam, Anita Lee, Nadia Stewart, and Sonia Bathath. The story we're focusing on today belongs to Bethlehem Miriam. She um, is a reporter for News 1130, and she spoke to the hypocrisy of Canadian media. Bethlehem was sitting in a media meeting with senior producers at CBC Vancouver who were brainstorming how to cover a story of racism at Lord Bing secondary in Vancouver. At this school, a white student had made a video about wanting to kill every black student at their school. The senior uh, producers came to the conclusion that they did not want to do the story. And when Bethlehem spoke out about it and the severity of needing to share this story, she was shut down. Not only was she shut down, you guys, not only was she shut down, but the producers empathized with the white student. And this was in 2019, so you can't kind of, tell me. What kind of empathy? Could you yeah. get to that? How, how oh, do you? To kill the black what? People, but you know what? He might have been black. Like, what? Like, no, that no. Yeah, doesn't no. make it right. It's not. And um, so they didn't cover the story, and it wasn't until every other news outlet had covered the story that they decided to run it. That's so stupid. I'm so I'm so confused. How are you feeling empathy towards a like a potential serial killer? Yeah. Like, what? It's shocking. And in Vancouver, like, that's just across the water. It's crazy. And again, that was only, what, two years ago? Yeah. Doesn't it? Two, three years ago. It feels like yesterday. Yeah, Yeah, literally. Um, But Bethlehem went on to share that her time working in Canadian media, now this is at CBC Toronto, she heard a senior executive casually slip up and say, I can't stand Black Lives Matter activists. You guys, this is a senior executive at the biggest broadcasting network 
in Canada. Sure, it's just the Toronto branch, or maybe is that where it's from? Is that the main one? We'll I look think, into that I later. I think, yeah, the main branch is in Toronto. Yeah, in Canada. If you don't think racism is in Canada, think again. There it is. Often when Bethlehem was bringing up black stories to the producer for approval, she was often shrugged off and told that these stories are too American or they don't have enough of a hook, or they're not newsy enough. Yet, in her meetings, she would see her white co-workers getting the green light on stories about cycling to work, or dogs in <laughs> off-leash parks. And I wonder, in what world does someone think the severity of that is equal? You know what? As a person of color, I cannot wake up in the... Like, I can't wait to wake up in the morning and read a story about someone cycling to work. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. That sounds like the perfect morning to me. Like, yeah. honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> this sounds real. I love oh. it. Yeah, when Bethlehem continued sharing, she was talking about how at her time in Canadian media, it was a predominantly white newsroom there was not much of a community for her to feel comfortable in and this is the importance of creating conversations around these stories and where they come from in hopes that it can shed a light on racism here in Canada one other thing I wanted to share from Bethlehem's story was that uh, this was a story she overheard from another person of color in her workspace where a white producer had said the n-word in a meeting and she was one of the only two black people in the room. And as a black person, being in a room full of white people and hearing someone say the N-word, people have said the N-word in front of me multiple times. I could tell you someone who did it last month. And it just boggles my mind. But if you are someone who is white and you're wondering how, you're like, one question I get a lot from a lot of white people is like, I don't know how to help in racism. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. And one thing I think you can take away from this is if you know there are black people around you in a predominantly white room and you hear a white person say that, speak up and say, hey, that is not okay. Because if you were this girl in your meeting at work and you were about to confront your senior executive producer to tell him that it's not okay for him to say that word her job is on the line and it which is pretty sad which is sad because as soon as a person of color crosses someone who does that and is in a position to take their job away from speaking up it's a fear you feel right away as a person of color so it's that is one tip you can maybe take away from this story yeah, you know what I was thinking? Like, this could have been, like, any conference room, but what if the executive was, like, a person of color or, like, an African-Canadian? Like, would that person <laughs> still have, like, said the N-word in that room where, like, an executive is, like, a person of color? When, you, like, what? I didn't hear about that until now, and it just it's weird to me that that is going to come up at all in a professional environment. Setting, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like what you're saying, if the, the executive is like of color and they say, why would they have any reason to say to that? Say that. Yeah. Just beginning in the, it's not exactly it's professional it's exactly it's, it's strange and the other part of it too is that it is not your word literally it's, it is not your word at all like what's the deal with like the n-word pass also like so many people are like oh i got the n-word pass no fam like that's so oh, my that's like that, that's so, so stupid old. no it's people just can really, yeah. Yeah. yeah like i don't get it it's why? funny why should it exist? So many Canadians say there's like no racism with in, within Canada, but like 
I think y'all just, just need to open your eyes yeah. because it's like literally beneath your yeah, nose. Well, I mean, what was I'm? Excuse me, I can't remember the date. Um, there was a First Nations woman named Chantel Moore. I believe that was mm-hmm. her name. I'm not 100 percent sure on her last name, but her first name was definitely Chantel. And she was killed by the RCMP and on a wellness check. First of all, cops should not be doing wellness checks. Second of all, how does a police officer walk into another woman's home and end up killing her on a wellness check? I don't, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure cops don't go through psychology in their work to know how to de-escalate a situation before they can pull out their power weapon of a gun and kill someone. I just want to know why a cop went and not like a doctor or psychiatrist. Well, that's why that's why I'm saying like it's in the systems. Why like even if it wasn't a person color, like nobody wants a cop showing up to their front door. They're bound to react in some me, way. Since a child, they've never let made me feel comfortable. It's ever and that's universal right? yeah. even mm. for white all the my cop white shows friends. up at my door i'm still like all right what did <laughs> like, i do dude, yeah. like i'm scared like, like i know i didn't pulled do over anything. in your car exactly it's the same thing you always you see a cop and you act scared scared that's even if you're not doing anything be. wrong exactly. and that exactly and that's not the way it should be so if that's a good example brandon so if we're getting nervous to be pulled over or in, in any way shape or form mm-hmm. why are they the first people to go to a wellness check but that stuff also happens local to nanaimo as well because even in 2020 that same situation happened in Nanaimo where a woman had to have a wellness check taken and she was abused and uh, beaten because she was mentally unstable. But was that her fault? No. But was that like the police beat her because of something she could not control herself to be quote unquote keep her safe? That's the cops Power need hungry. more training, mm-hmm. 100%. And it's not even about police, it shouldn't be like it just yeah. needs to be like for things like wellness checks, like you're saying. You need somebody trained in that field mm-hmm. to give it proper exactly. care and attention. But you know, not all cops are bad, True. right? There are some pretty decent ones, yeah. like especially in Nanaimo as well. Like not all of them are bad. I just think some of them need better training. Yeah, Or some I, of them should get just I get fired. I can agree with that. And I, o- I always get nervous when I speak about cops in the RCMP because I have friends who have dads who are in the RCMP and they are amazing people and it is great. But the thing is, it's the system. Yeah. And like, I, I like to relate it to this. You wouldn't be saying that to a doctor. If there was a doctor who was drinking on practice or who was just willy nilly with their diagnosis, doing this, slipping up, whatever, you wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's like, it's not all doctors. But it was that one. So why aren't these doctors holding that doctor accountable or saying, hey, this doctor was drinking on the job or, hey, this doctor is being racist? Like, it should be the same thing for cops. It's like you all, you, the the police and the government are the biggest gangs in the world. They're the biggest gangs in the world. And you have to hold each other accountable or else you can't work as a solidified unit to bring peace to community. Because I think all police, precincts, stations, whatever, maybe not the individual ones, they have lost the vision. It's like, what are you even doing anymore? Like, when I'm in a position where I need to call the cops, I don't even want to. (music) 
we're going to be bringing you a lot more content in the weeks to come. And we'll be focusing not only on the negative traumas that people of color have faced, but also the happy and positive stories that can offer you allyship, community, and resources to connect with your roots. I already know the Rise Bridge Project has so many sources for people of color. So if you don't know about them, follow their Instagram. They have so many workshops at Rise Bridge Project. Um, thank you so much for listening to our first podcast of Voices of Color. And you can find out more about our mission and all that stuff on our social media. And this episode was made and produced by Brandon Lawson, Lauren McKenzie, Megan Robello, and myself, Juliet King. And we just want to say thank you so much to VIU Media Studies Department for lending us the space and the equipment. And shout out to Chris. For solving Thank our technical Chris. needs. Thanks, Chris. Thank um, you, Chris. Thank Even you, Chris. though there was nothing wrong with it, we're just <laughs> incompetent. Yeah, yeah, for you know, after four years of media studies, right. you know, burning <laughs> <laughs> out. Yeah. I don't. I don't think we should graduate, you guys. <laughs> so you, you can find out more about Voices of Color and our mission at VoicesOfColor.ca or follow us on social media at Voices of Color Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok.